soul, R&B, Caribbean, gospel, hip-hop, or house music. And if you love podcasting and exclusive interviews, if you love urban culture and urban music, then you will really love the Urban Cafe channel. You can find it here on HD2 if you have an HD2 radio, or you can go to WMNF.org and download our mobile app so that you can listen to it all the time. Happy New Year. Welcome to the first p.m. dawn of 2024. If it's 12 noon Monday, yours truly, Patro Mabili, is on the radio. Thank you for tuning in to WMF Radio here in Tampa for Community Speaks. I just had to show up today and be the first to talk with you this year. There are new laws taking effect today in Florida as we look at or look to the upcoming elections. Uh, A battle is shaping up around the issue of abortion on the ballot in Florida. One measure would prohibit laws restricting abortion and the other would promote laws restricting abortion. (laughs) So we're going to see what the people want to do because that's going to be one of the ballot initiatives and we'll talk about those initiatives here today on Community Speaks. And also, a general question for you today is what progress have been made historically that conservatives oppose? We'll also look at why Florida's governor keeps threatening to flatten the Bahamas. And it's all in keeping with the MAGA Republicans' evangelicals' desire for doom. And that has been explored by journalists. I'll share some of those findings with you today here on Community Speaks. And one GOP congressman at the end of 2023 traveled to Uganda to support Kill the Gays initiative. Uh, We know that evangelicals have been trying to promote anti-LGBTQ legislation on the continent of Africa. I guess it was uh, to get some kind of practice for restricting those laws as they gain power, conservatives gain power in the United States to reverse all of the progress that has been made by, you know, in this country and on this globe. And we'll also take a, an African history of cannabis. we we'll take this as a fascinating and also heartbreaking insights explained by one expert. So we'll do that today. But I want to hear from you because this is a new year, 2024, as we look to, you know, today, a, a lot of new laws began today. But I'm looking at to talk about these ballot initiatives with you here on Community Speaks today. As I said, uh, abortion, right and left, abortion, uh, conservatives want to put an initiative on abortion on the ballot for 2024, but also those who want to restrict those kinds of law, prohibit those kinds of laws that are restricting abortions. And in Florida, the question was and has been Uh, based on the Constitution about privacy rights, but there are people around this country who are conservative who are trying to criminalize doctors as well as women, as we've seen uh, them show no concern for even a child who was raped and got pregnant and didn't want this child to get an abortion in a state that put on a trigger law as soon as the Supreme Court's 
went and did it and overturned Roe versus Wade, which was a, nat- a national federal protection for abortion. So that is an issue that this state is going to deal with as far as a ballot initiative come 2024. And uh, as I said, one of those laws, which was going to be entitled, I think it's going to be 23-07 on the Florida ballot. And uh, it required some signatures. Someone knocked on my door and got my signature for this ballot. And uh, as of October of this past year, it has been said that of over 753,000 people signed uh, a ballot, uh, signed their name to get this ballot initiative, this ballot measure on the on the ballot for 2024 called Floridians Protecting Freedom Incorporated were the sponsors for this uh, this ballot initiative. And it says provides that no law shall prohibit, penalize, delay or restrict abortion before viability or when necessary to protect the patient's health as determined by the patient's health care provider. But another ballot initiative called the right to life, a pre-born individual, that's an initiative that the conservatives are trying to put on the ballot. It says provide that the right to life of the pre-born individual is God-given, thus unalienable and recognized accordingly, sponsored by a group called Protect Human Life Florida. And uh, they've gotten only 27,000 signatures as opposed to the 753,000 initiatives to protect uh, or prohibit laws restricting abortion. So that's one of the issues that I want to talk to you about today. You can call me, 813-239-9663. You could also write me, dj, at org, And you can also go to the website and listen if you're out of the area. You can go and listen online to this show and call in, uh, but 813-239-9663 is the number to call. Uh, but we're talking about those two constitutional amendments that are going to appear on the ballot in 2024, and uh, there are a few other ones that are going to be just as rancorous. One would make school board elections partisan, and that's going to be called Amendment 1, and Amendment 2 would provide a constitutional right to hunt and fish. Uh, so I didn't know that we didn't have that right. Maybe not in all areas. I don't know what that initiative entails. We'll go deeper on Amendment 2 as well for the Florida Constitution. And that election is coming up in 2024 this year. Uh, well, it's going to be coming up this year. So we want to talk about what we're going to be facing uh, on those fronts. So also marijuana legalization initiative is uh, slated to appear on the ballot with over a million signatures already gotten. This is the legalized marijuana for recreational use. And um, there's also going to be a right to clean water initiative on the ballot calling for constitutional rights and clean water. And uh, It's going to create a fundamental right to clean and healthy water as defined in the state constitution, gives legal standing to residents and non-governmental organizations or government entities to sue in order to enforce or defend such rights, this uh, fundamental right to clean and healthy waters. And uh, 
We're also going to be faced with a prayer in schools initiative. Uh, this is going to be uh, about concerning prayer in school. And uh, it's sponsored by Right Division, Right Division PC. Only has six to 100 signatures right now. And uh, we can delve deeper into what prayer in schools is all about. But, you know, this is a country that is not supposed to establish one particular religion. And that it certainly will set off some alarm bells. And uh, as I said, the, you know, the evangelicals are trying to control laws here and overseas. And uh, we have to be on top of their agenda as well. And uh, we could talk about just what historically conservatives have opposed and we'll get a a real understanding as to what their agenda has been and is in this country. You can, there's a long list of progressive change that we've made in this country since 1789. And conservatives opposed a great deal of this progressive change. Uh, and that included black Americans voting. You know, conservatives opposed that. It opposed the abolition of slavery. Those conservatives did. They opposed compulsory education. They opposed public education. They op- opposed, they were opposed to poor people voting. They were even, conservatives were even opposed to the American Revolution. They were opposed to the 40-hour work week, the eight-hour work day, paid vacations. They were opposed to the interstate highway system. They were opposed to civil rights and desegregation and interracial marriages. They were opposed to Medicare Unemployment insurance, workmen's compensation, welfare laws, environmental protection laws, Endangered Species Act, family leave, banking and speculation regulations. They were opposed to all of these things historically. The Affordable Care Act and, of course, gay rights. So this is a long list of things that have represented progress in this country and it has been opposed by conservatives who are still working in on some of those oppositions today. They are still working with that same mindset today. Uh, we have a governor of Florida who re- turned down money uh, from the federal government uh, because of this uh, opposition, this need to be opposed to anything that is progressive. Uh, 813-239-9663. Is the number to call. But one thing that is good about the ballot initiative is that it does give the people an opportunity to, through the signature process, put an issue on a ballot that the ruling class does not want to deal with. As they just want to ignore, do what they want to do, and not give the people their voice. Uh, so the ballot initiative becomes one way to do it, but uh, conservatives have opposed our access to the ballot initiative through referenda. Uh, this is a conservative issue, and they constantly, historically, have used the referendum, the referendum initiative to uh, push their ideas and their platforms, such as, as we're going to face in Florida, prayer in schools. And, of course, they need to oppose any laws that will restrict uh that would prohibit laws restricting abortion, which is what we're going to face on the ballot in Florida. That's the people through the signature process making their way to the ballot to 
overturn in uh, an issue that is considered backwards. You know, the conservatives trying to take us backwards and take women backwards and criminalize doctors and and children and victims of rape and incest. So while at the same time claiming they are uh, godlike, <laughs> they are interested in these kinds of issues and they have an interest in in opposing anything or promoting anything that is godly. And again, this is a this is a clash in cultures. This is part of the culture wars that we're continuing to face. And the conservatives continue to push these kinds of agendas to oppose the things they have historically opposed. There's one journalist who have been exploring this idea, the MAGA evangelicals, and he calls it they have a desire for doom. They've taken an, on an apocalyptic view of the world in which they see their dear leader as the sole savior against demonic forces. And this is according to one journalist named Tim Alberta after interviews um, with people, uh, with New York Times colonists. Uh, they have been discussing how evangelicals came to rationalize designating somebody like 45 as their savior despite his decades of documented unchristian behavior uh they this is um what he has been struck by evangelicals he covers he says as he's covered them they have a desire for doom in which the end of the world brings about a final reckoning between the forces of good and evil and you've heard this rhetoric many times they try to hide it in their politics but it's always there. It's always front and center. When this journalist cited the temporary closure of churches during the uh, coronavirus pandemic that fed into evangelicals' belief that there were sinister forces at work intent on blocking their ability to worship rather than a generational health emergency that caused the deaths of more than a million people, a million of their fellow American citizens, uh, when the California governor said, hey, we're shutting down houses of worship as a public health measure for a few weeks, it suddenly, a lot of people, some, some of the, many of those people, it was like the prophecy was being <laughs> fulfilled. And we heard them call even into this radio station and talk about getting the, the uh, vaccine was like the mark of the beast. So we keep hearing this rhetoric and uh, it's almost as if they're looking forward to some kind of doom and they latch on to any, anything to, to prove their ideas are being carried. They, their fears were, are being realized. Uh, and we're, we're continuing to see an apocalyptic, and we've talked about this before here on Community Speaks, this sort of apocalypticism that continues to make its way into their politics and into the laws that they try to push on us. Uh, they have, as we have also seen progressive do, the conservatives have also tried to use the referendum uh, measure to push uh, a backward agenda that gets us backwards, it takes away the progress that we have thought we were making in this country. Uh, we continue, as we're hearing 45 talk about revisiting the Affordable Care Act 
And uh, I think most of that is just jealousy, doesn't like the idea that it it has been, they gave it the name Obamacare in order to demonize it. And then when it was embraced by Obama, he said, of course it's Obamacare because Obama cares. Uh, now we have, after all of this time, and it's been considered a settled law that they're still trying to bring it up, bring it up uh, and talk about, uh, we've heard 45 talk about he's going to pull together his own affordable health care initiative. Uh, and they keep saying that just as they did with infrastructure during the whole time 45 was in power. And, you know, and how many infrastructure weeks did they have? But nothing ever came into fruition. Nothing ever got out of committee into the Congress and nothing ever got signed by 45. Uh, but, you know, now that we've seen this current president try to respond to the crisis of the economy that he was bequeathed from 45, uh, everything that he does is being demonized. And it's almost as if just because their dear leader isn't, the conservatives don't have, can't get their way. They'd rather burn everything down and, and, and uh, refuse to uh, engage in in progress. The idea that a governor can turn down funds at a time like this, when the state needs funding, when the state needs better roads, when it needs infrastructure, uh, and it, it needs to recognize that you know workers are trying to navigate a, an economy that has been struggling and. Uh, has come uh, come through as pure gold, really. Uh, we've seen inflation fall, and this current president engaged, uh, was able to pass the uh, Inflation Reduction Act that has made it possible for automakers to get back to work and made, you know, the CHIP Act made uh, the problems that we were having during the pandemic with, with uh, our supply chain and uh, getting people back to, you know, getting auto workers back to work and building the electric vehicle so that we can continue the progress of uh, responding to global warming and climate change, extreme climate change. All of this was supposed to be working in tandem. You have a conservative agenda that is opposed to all of it. They want to send it backwards. Even uh, DEI and uh, ESG, the Environmental and Social Governance and Good Governance uh, agenda is demonized. And uh, this idea of, you know, you go woke, you go broke, when in actuality history has proven that the more we have progressed, the better we've all, we've all came out of it in the end. So like I said, there are a long list of, of progressive ideas and laws that have been passed that have been opposed by conservatives and they still are pushing the opposition to this day for the same reasons, and uh, the idea that you know the working class is going to progress is something that is seen as detrimental. There are people who see that the rise in the minimum wage in Florida is seen as contributing to uh, the inflation. When in actuality, you know you have to have people getting paid and working, getting paid that is going to make the cost of living. Uh, make it possible for them to survive and, and endure the cost of living, the constantly rise in the cost of living based on 
capital concerns and you know the the progress is is seen as something detrimental so we're going to continue to talk about these issues in twi- into 2024 as we get ready for an election that is going to in Florida include ballot initiatives that we all have to be aware of what is what is happening and there be those who are constantly opposed to the progress uh, we are even hearing something that I've heard even 40 years ago when Reagan, 50 years ago when Reagan was coming to, to office and, you know, the idea that part of what helped him was the so-called Reagan Democrat. Well, we're seeing the same thing here. They're so-called Trump Democrats that are helping to destroy the Obama coalition, which included black people, Latino and youth and so with all of the lies and disinformation, that is part of the agenda is to help bust up the uh, coalitions that have engaged in, 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 in electing a progressive president and a progressive Congress and, and bringing together progressive laws, especially through the ballot initiative. These Republicans are in constant reaction to all of that change and even violently so as we've seen them play that card over and over again in recent years under this new, under their dear leader. And uh, exporting it abroad, as I said, if you look at the continent of Africa, they've been using the continent of Africa for uh, a lot of this culture war, especially when it comes to LGBTQ issues and have been successful in getting these African governments to turn on that portion of their citizenry that those citizens feel like they have to leave those African countries. And that's uh, really underhanded for these uh, conservatives and evangelicals to be doing. As a Republican lawmaker gave a speech at a national prayer breakfast in Uganda back in October in which he urged the nation to stand firm behind this new anti-homosexuality law, which includes the death penalty. And this was according to a report. This was Representative Tim Wahlberg from Michigan who... You know, this speech was brought to light by the website known as the Young Turks. And uh, I'm glad that they were able to to find this video and share it. And uh, but this Tim Wahlberg, he took a trip to the country of Uganda. And that trip had been funded by the Fellowship Foundation known as The Family. It's a U.S. group that's behind Uganda's National Prayer Breakfast and this is according to congressional filings that were unearthed by the Young Turks. And as the keynote speaker, Tim Wahlberg, uh, in his video, which was shared in the report, he was seen endorsing other speakers, some of which called LGBTQ plus advocates a force from the bottom of hell and argued for Christocracy. Christocracy. Never heard that word until now. Christocracy over democracy. Christocracy over democracy. This is Tim Wahlberg in Uganda giving a speech saying these things. Uh, Encourage Uganda's leaders to resist opposition to the law from the United States, the UN and the global institutions that, you know, we, you know, the UN, the United States and other global institutions have been talking about uh, giving sanctions, putting sanctions on Uganda for this anti-human rights law. And uh, the Ugandan president, 
signed the Anti-Homosexuality Act into law in May. And later, as Wahlberg's attendance showed, there are Americans who think like us, according to the report. <laughs> so these we've been saying for the longest time that these conservatives have been playing an underhanded hand, pushing an agenda, the same uh, culture war that they're playing here, they've been trying to play on the continent of Africa and uh, go in and promote European leaders and other conservative leaders around the world who are pushing the same type of agenda, sort of, instead of just being a nationalist, they are international nationalists to push right-wing agenda on country after country, state after state, while people are constantly trying to progress and trying to get uh, move forward, these people are constantly trying to move us all backwards. This is a new year, 2024. It's 1231 in the PM, and you are tuned to Community Speaks here on your community radio station. And I do want to hear from you as we talk about all of what is happening and what we have to face, the agendas that we have to face going forward, and what we must do. There are those of us who are getting signatures to access the ballot measures so that we can uh, fight against what we're seeing is an onslaught of fascism against democracy. And also, as we talk about the African continent, you know, the various industries have gone to the continent historically, and the cannabis industry is no different. And we, we've seen some reporting that I would like to share with you on what has been happening on that front and tell people about the research who that, you know, there are people who are researching cannabis uh, who are finding out more than they knew before. And uh, it's causing a lot of rethinking on what the actual business uh uh, the uh, what sense that a lot of it makes the you know the heartbreaking part you know anytime you go to the Africa for extractive industries it can be a little heartbreaking in terms of the the labor intensive that they, that takes place and what the workers are put through we're hearing a lot about that when it comes to the the metals and minerals that are used in the cell phones that are sold around the world and then sent back to be disposed of once you throw it away. And those materials often have to be extracted and, you know, and done so safely, as safe as possible to save the land. But the workers in the process are finding themselves in a really bad situation after working in those mines. Uh, but some people have been studying the, the cannabis, uh, the, Afri- the history of the African history of cannabis. And this is part of a conversation by Chris Duval, who, written, who has written about this in recent days. And uh, he says that he tells people that he researches cannabis and sometimes receives a further gesture that implies and presumes that as if two members of a secret society have met. But he says, you don't want to be known as the guy who studies marijuana. A professional colleague once said it. So, you know, we're 
you know, he had to find a way of, of really getting people's attention to, to talk about the effects of this uh, process on the African land. And uh, but he's broadly interested in how people and plants interact. And uh, he studied plants from perspectives ranging from ecology and cultural history, including obscure plants and more widely known ones as the African uh, boba plant. And uh, but cannabis is in another category, being one of the world's most famous and widespread plants. Yet it's the one for which people most commonly question on his research. And cannabis has a truly global history associated with a wide range of uses and meanings. The plant evolved in Central Asia millions of years ago. Across Eurasia, humans began using cannabis seeds and fiber more than 12,000 years ago. And by 5,000 years ago, people in South Asia had learned to use cannabis as an edible drug. And it arrived in East Africa over 1,000 years ago. And so cannabis has been under global prohibition for most of the last century, which has stunted understanding of the people-plant relationship. Africa, Africans, and the people of the African diaspora have had crucial roles in the plant's history that are mostly forgotten. He said he wants people to learn about cannabis history for four reasons. First, understanding its historical uses can help identify potential new uses. And second, understanding why people have valued cannabis can improve how current societies manage it. And third, understanding how people have used cannabis illuminates African influences on global cultures. Finally, understanding how people are, prof- are profiting from cannabis exposes inequities within the global economy. And so, first he looked at the medicinal potential, the African history of cannabis highlights its medicinal potential. Uh, it's a topic of growing interest. Advocates of medical cannabis often justify their interest by telling tales of the plant's past, yet the, the tales they tell, notably in medical journals, have been problematic. They're only about social elites and are mostly untrue, according to this researcher. And so he says the African past is absent from this medical literature, even though historical observers reported how Africans use cannabis in contexts that justify current interest in its medical potentials. For instance, in the 1840s, a British physician reported that Central African people liberated from slave ships considered the plant drug a great promoter of exhilaration of spirits and sovereign remedy against all complaints. And these were emaciated, traumatized survivors. Their experience justifies exploring cannabis as a potential treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and other conditions. So that's the medical um, information that, you know, historically was found, had found. And, uh, but it also, we need to understand why people value cannabis to identify and address social processes that may produce drug use. Africans have valued cannabis for centuries, though it's difficult to know all the uses it had uh, because most weren't documented. And despite its limits, the historical record clearly shows that people use cannabis as a stimulant and painkiller in association with hard labor. So if you're in exploited labor, uh, cannabis was probably historically used. And many European travelers observed their porters smoking cannabis before setting off 
each day. A Portuguese in Angola stated that the port is a firm that it makes it wakes them up and warms their bodies so that they are ready to start up with you know you know alacrity. Uh, but most laborers valued cannabis. Many overseers, of course, did not since the overseers weren't doing any work. They were just watching people work. But cannabis drug use remains associated with social marginalization in a lot of places and on the continent, two in particular, Morocco and Nigeria. But the Pan-African experience suggests using it is not a moral failing of users, but is, at least in part, symptomatic of exploitation and inequality. Uh, he goes on to talk about Africa's Africa's place in the global culture. He um, on oral histories from Brazil, Jamaica, Liberia, and Sierra Leone tell that enslaved Central Africans carried cannabis. And in the 1840s, Gabon, a French American traveler, observed a man carefully preserving seeds intended to plant them in the country in which he would be sold. Uh, Cannabis traveled as an element of exploitative labor relationships that carried people around the world, including chattel slavery, indentured service, and wage slavery. And there is strong evidence that psychoactive cannabis crossed the Atlantic with Africans. And the people who transported seeds uh, shaped our modern language. Around the Atlantic, many terms of cannabis traced to Central Africa, including the global word marijuana derived from Kimbundu. Mariamba, and further, the most common modern use of cannabis as a smoke drug was an African innovation. His prehistoric people in Eastern Africa invented smoking pipes after the plate after the plant arrived from South Asia. Eastern Africans discovered that smoking was a more efficient way to consume cannabis compared with edible forms of the drug. Notable, notably, all water pipes, hookah pipes, bongs and so on, they trace ultimately to African precedents. And uh, finally, drug policy reforms. Understanding the plant's African past illuminates inequities within the global economy. As I said, drug policy reforms worldwide have opened lucrative legal markets for cannabis. Businesses are feverishly competing for wealth and governments are eagerly seeking new revenue sources and the rush to profit has enabled businesses from wealthy countries to gain power in poorer countries. In most African countries that have enacted drug policy reforms, notably exceptions being South Africa and Morocco, uh, did so only after foreign businesses paid for cannabis farming licenses. These had always been possible under existing laws, though the governments had never made them available. Um, so... They have enacted drug reform policies uh, in those two countries especially, but these drug reform, drug policy reforms don't meaningfully extend to citizens of African countries. Licensing fees are either unknown or unaffordable for most citizens of the countries that have allowed commercial farming, including Zimbabwe, Uganda, Lesotho, and Others, including the Democratic Republic of Congo and the countries that have allowed licensed production still prohibit traditional cannabis uses. So even as export markets grow, African citizens face criminal consequences for domestic production. And 
cannabis policy reforms in Africa have mostly benefited investors and consumers in wealthy countries, not the Africans, uh, a textbook example of neocolonialism. And further, profitable industries in Europe and North America rely on seed taken from Africa, where cannabis genetic diversity is high thanks to the farmer's plant breeding skills. And cannabis is the center of industries that generate billions of dollars annually. Um, Increasingly, this income is legal. History shows that African countries have competitive advantages for cannabis farming. And reform should enable Africans to enjoy all of these advantages and, of course, taking away the criminalization. Uh, So this is a a fascinating look into the historical, the African history of cannabis and some of the heartbreaking news to go along with it in terms of the criminalization that continues to happen, even though innovations are that these companies are benefiting from were learned, those innovations were learned from farmers on the continent. 813-239-9663 is the number to call. Dying to hear from you today here on this first day of 2024. So you can call me or you can write me, dj at wmnf.org. And I want to go straight away to the phone lines to see if there's anything you have to add to this conversation. 813-239-9663. Go ahead, caller. Are you here to talk to me, to Patro Mobili here on Community Speaks? Yes. Good morning, Mr. Mobili. This is DeAndre. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Right on, man. Yeah, I I thought about that for years. Um, I saw it, like, take place in my hometown over there, uh, Tampa, and uh, where, you know, there's a criminalization of such stuff. But black bodies have always been criminalized in this country. Now there's in the same, you know, town so much with the smoke shops and accessibility mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to uh, to those things. I, I, you know, I think often it's important to, when you want to fight against that kind of uh, injustice, you have to go back to your most immediate, then uh, early uh, earliest roots as far back as you can on, on similar matters, and then those things can hopefully remedy themselves. And I think about uh, stories I hear from elders about having to take care of one another in the black community without, unfortunately, unfortunately without uh, uh, help from, you know, the rest of the community or mm-hmm. hospitals, doctors and such. Right. You have you have to kind of go about things uh, on, on one's own or from within the, the oppressed community. And a lot of that knowledge is lost. I'm talking about uh, farming uh, at home, and, you know, I, I've seen little bits of it at home in uh, the East Tampa uh, back in the 80s and 90s, and uh, even in Central Park Village. And uh, some of the other, uh, 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 those brick projects where people would grow, you know, their peppers. They would grow, right. you, you know, some of those some of those different tea herbs um, in their yard. People would do this, and we don't anymore. It's just we don't have the knowledge. It's not as commonplace as it used to be. But there are herbs and, and, and produce of sorts that uh, people utilize um, for to, to benefit their health. I have a uh, she passed, but I had a great grandmother who 
past, uh, but uh, was mm. into that hardcore. It, she, it was before my time, before she had to kind of retire and um, uh, just tend more to uh, certain things, you know, certain, uh, mm. I guess, <laughs> adulting is, is, is called uh, by uh, us Xenials, Millennials, whatever they want to call us. <laughs> but a lot of that stuff has been lost, those flowers, those berries, those, those those uh, root vegetables in search of uh, how to get protein out of the ground, uh, beans and such, uh, at home uh, is uh, is gone, but also those home remedies. So the, I think some of the key is to reconnect to a lot of that stuff. And then those things to do now that they're quote-unquote legal, you know, mm. <laughs> everybody's been arrested and put under the ground, <laughs> you know, um, now we can kind of move back in that direct direction a little bit by little bit, but with some propensity and um, for some long-term success. Uh, but we got to kind of start smart and start small and, and, and reconnect with our elders on that knowledge and uh, even uh, confirm that uh, with some of those professionals out there because, you know, these pharmaceutical bills, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they, they ain't playing. You know what I mean? No. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Definitely listening. I'm yeah. so glad that you uh, uh, kept kept uh, kept forth um, this New Year's Day for us. Yeah, certainly. It, <laughs> Before you go, because I think that you raised an interesting one. I remember when my grandmother... She, she she went out into the backyard and started planting a garden. And I just thought that was the coolest thing, you know. But right you got to have a yard. And I mean, right. this is all relative. I mean, that's why I I was going to do a segment on the development in with the old gas plant district over in Pinellas County because the biggest question now is you got a, a huge development idea that the city is proposing that these you know, private businesses are proposing and the people want to know, are they going to be able to own any property? Are they going to be able to come back? Brother, there's so many bodies under real estate in this county, this state, this this uh, southeastern region around this country, black bodies, uh, of, of not a, a too far of a yesteryear, whether it was, you know, the 60s or 70s sometimes, I guess, even where people just turned up missing and, um, you know, uh, and, and, and what do they call that? Preemption and and bulldozing took place. Oh yeah, bro, it's such a painful thing. I can only uh, raise my hand and support other people who haven't persevered that. Because I'm just looking back. I done, you know, uh, gone to a high school with bodies under. I'm not gone to. I done hung out with friends over in day projects for my project. You know, with bodies under. I'm not, I don't. I don't. Uh, went and tried to hang out and like your buddies brought me to the base over there and there's bodies under there and and you know i just honestly uh with my mental health and it's been a problem for as long as it's been i'm wondering you know is it supernatural at this point you know those things that i experienced or or is it uh really something i need to go see a psychiatrist about at this point. So I, I, I don't even know. It's, it's a hurtful thing uh, for me when I think about it. I just raise my hand and support and, 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 and energy and hopeful uh, to help them uh, come to the best conclusion for what's going on. Yeah. I, I, I ain't going to say no more because yeah, no, I, 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 
if you feel like you you have you have had you have to have a conversation with the ancestor, that's that's real. The ancestors yeah. find a way to communicate with us. That's real. You know, when they talk about some of these mental health conditions, they say depending on the temperament of those uh, those sounds. The, the sense of temperament from the sounds one here depends on the 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 the, the, the uh, situation with their environment. So if yeah. they're loud and ruckus and hurtful and off-putting, then that's just the nature of that person's environment. And over in Africa, this was a st- there was a study done. I'm sorry, I have no citation, but people who had let's call them hallucinations, auditory hallucinations, they're quite fun and kind and such is because they have a, a more kind and, 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 and fun environment or network around them. And uh, so that said, right. that said, um, it, 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 I just guess within our group, with that anti-LGBT stuff, which is just ridiculous, uh, all that other, all the other stuff between uh, different subgroups within the black community with Moorish and this and that, you know, that, that stuff has a cost on our greater network and we should not be trying to export that. Not one bit. And it obviously is some, I don't know if it was white or black, whoever you're referring to before, has, um, if not exported it, uh, internationally, um, they, they rekindle something that, um, as far as for, uh, uh, a, a Eurocentric view of dominance that that's just gonna mm. be problematic for that group over there. I, that that was tough to learn. It's tough to learn to hear yeah. nationalists go to Africa and promote um, Eurocentric, uh, you know, uh, conquest, uh, you know, uh, uh, homicidal uh, uh, idea yeah. uh, over that way. Or support them, you know. It's, it's like the, the history of uh, Euro-Afro uh, communications. That's really sad. Yeah. At any rate, though, um, yeah, man. I, I, when it comes to the matter of, uh, of, of growth and and farming and such, I, yeah, nobody's going to have the space for it. Oh, we we might have a window point to the sun, you know, which can be good or bad depending mm-hmm. on. Uh, your 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 time here, aware of the condition of the atmosphere, um, for our summers and such. Mm. uh, We got that climate change thing, (laughs) which that's a whole another topic. I'm (laughs) on that right now. I can go on, but um, we're trying over in our little uh, spot where we're written to uh, beat that uh, learning curve when it comes to uh, home gardening. and uh, yeah, we're trying. We are gonna get there. Yeah, we will. Um, but that's the way to go. That's really it. And consult your elders. Smart. Consult your elders. Exactly. <laughs> Especially consulting the elders. YouTube don't hurt either, but the elders, right. they can point you to something that's probably your genes are probably yeah. waiting for. Right? You know what I mean? That's so, right. That's that's, like that's, that. that's where it is. You know. Uh, but at any rate, thank you, man, again for holding for it. And doing it to it, um, especially on the slowest day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So thank you so much. Thank you for calling. You got it. You got it. This is 
Community Speaks here on your community radio station in the last few minutes. I just wanted to know what's going to be important to you going forward. You know, what do we need to to change? What do we need to, uh, who do we need to confront? And how do we do it? And uh, what ballot initiatives are you going to uh, delve into find important that you're going to prioritize when you go to the polls. Uh, we have so many that we're going to be faced with. Potentially, it depends on how the signature process goes, but the ones who've gotten some pretty good signatures so far, Marijuana Legalization Initiative um, legalizes marijuana for recreational use. Uh, it has over a million signatures. Uh Prohibit, uh, uh, rather, the second one the that got a lot of signatures is the abortion amendment that's going to prohibit laws restricting abortion. And the other abortion measure by the conservatives have far fewer signatures, but it's... Uh, called the Right to Life of Preborn Individual Initiative, saying that the right to life of the preborn individual is God's given and uh, thus unalienable and recognized accordingly, uh, has fewer signatures than the one that's going to prohibit laws restricting abortion. And uh, also the Right to Clean Water Initiative also has quite a few signatures and I expect to see them on the on the ballot, uh, but the two seemingly right wing uh, initiatives, the right to life of preborn individuals and the prayer in school initiatives, got some signatures, but not nearly enough. So far, not hardly enough to get on the ballot. So we're gonna be taking a. A deeper look at these initiatives, these ballot initiatives as we move closer to the election because this is a, this is the citizenry trying to have a voice and a voice that the elected officials, the ruling class, want to silence or bridge as much as possible. And uh we also are getting some emails. You can email me, DJ, at WMNF.org. As we move to the end of the first public affairs program on WNF 2024, Community Speaks. And uh, one emailer has written, End the blackout on Israel's racist genocidal campaign of ethnic cleansing and racial apartheid. He says, Speak out against the Holocaust taking place across Palestine. Uh, well, there are a lot of Israelis who are speaking out right now against the right-wing policies of their own government. And uh, there are a lot of people who are appalled by the numbers of deaths and also appalled by the behavior of the colonial settlers. And... Um, the colonial Israeli settlers, those far right wing people who every time they speak are proudly segregationist. Um, so, you know, we'll see how 
we deal with that group going forward. They, at the moment, are acting very violently. If you go anywhere close to an Israeli settler community, uh, they are going to meet you with guns, and they will just give a stern warning to turn around, get in your car, and leave. And you're being threatened with their long guns the whole time. And sometimes there's a, a soldier there from the Israeli Defense Forces who is watching the violence unfold and are not saying or doing anything to de-escalate it. Uh, so right now, the Israeli settlers are the problem, as well as a far-right government that is trying to maintain. You know, we have Benjamin Netanyahu trying to maintain his own personal power by any means necessary. Uh, 813-239-9663. Is the number to call if you want to have a, a last word. I know everybody is, is kind of recuperating from celebrating last night. Uh, the, the world had a big birthday party, and uh, we were all celebrating last night. Uh, but it was important for me to come in here and try to, to talk to you about what we're going to be facing going forward. 2024 promises to be... Uh, a very, uh, <laughs> I don't want, I don't know how to, what adjective to use, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's just, the Chinese has once said, may your, may your times be interesting. Well, I think 2024 is going to be one of those years, uh, but we're going to see just how resilient our laws are uh, against the fascists. And we're going to see if we're going to allow the, President 45, ex-president, to play fast and loose with justice, with the justice system, and try to prove to everybody that he really is above the law, protected by his base and followed by, you know, an attempt to break up the Obama coalition. Uh, and I think that what brought 45 to power was racist revenge they wanted racist revenge for obama and you know the more they talk and the more they deny themselves even the state of florida denies itself funding for infrastructure or they the uh 45 tries to revamp the affordable care act we're gonna we're, we're being shown over and over again that all they're they're there to do is to roll back the clock and you know, play out their envy and uh, their hatreds. And we, we're just going to have to stay on top of it, folks. Uh, but right here on Community Speaks, we will be talking about it. We'll be talking about these ballot initiatives, these issues that we're going to be facing. Up next is Blandy Whalen. She's going to get back to the music Monday for the new year, the first back to the music for the new year. <laughs> 